0: Welcome to The Thunderstock Show, a collection of valuable brainstorms to enhance your life, liberty, and pursuit of property. Today's guest is Paul Schiffbauer of Schiffbauer Consulting Group based out of York, PA. Love having a fellow nicotine connoisseur and fellow marketing uh, consulting uh, expert. So without further ado, Paul, can you tell everyone how'd you get here? A little bit about yourself
1: absolutely well Ross, thank you for having me on today i know we've been connected for a little bit now but um more than anything it's great just to hop on your show um your question was it's just in terms of how things got started right or just a little bit about uh... give us
0: the origin story
1: oh the origin story so it was a cold night in january (laughs) 1994 i was born all right we'll we'll skip all those happy birthday thank you i'm an aquarius <laughs> sometimes i tell women i'm a scorpio just to see the, the, what head
0: games can come about you're not married yet right nope i am a bachelor then i support your decisions thank you <laughs> <laughs> no judgment, a bachelor you. by choice
1: um <laughs> but yeah I, my father had a bar grill essentially majority of my upbringing i like to say like hanging at his bar as a kid And eventually working for him, was kind of like a second helm. This little neighborhood tavern in North Baltimore, sold it back in 2016. But I learned a lot about business and entrepreneurship and really getting my first dabble into marketing with his business. Um, That kind of came into fruition where Facebook started becoming an emerging platform. And, you know, my dad at the time, he's probably what, back then, mid to late 30s. He's like, I don't know any of this shit. (laughs) <laughs> Apparently people people customers that come in and ask about Facebook, what do you do? Well, I got a Facebook account and know a little bit about posting. I'll do some research and we'll figure it out.
0: Okay, so you kind of cut your teeth doing Facebook for him.
1: Yeah, oh yeah, just real basic, you know, content creation management. Um started with him and then over the course of like my early years in college, had a couple of side clients like real freelance base Mm -hmm. and made naturally at the time, similar scope, looking back on it, small restaurants in the Southern York County area, which I like lived and grew up in.
0: Yeah. Hey, start where you know, right? Exactly. I I did a similar thing right out of, I did a little bit of odd jobs in college, all, all sorts of things. But when I graduated, my father, had uh, he was in like the construction and real estate industry, okay, and uh, <clears throat> this was before Facebook Ads was even on my radar. This is kind of dating myself, twenty thirteen, but SEO was like the new buzzword. So, kind of built him a WordPress site, ranked it, and I was like, wow, I can make a big impact to your business while I do it for other people. So, mm-hmm. I I can relate to your your coming to business story.
1: Yeah, it was just kind of came natural. This, you know, having a personal touch on it, and I, I just found it very fascinating how you can get people's attention mm-hmm. um, through those channels early on. Looking back on it, um, fast forward a little bit, went to your college, Pennsylvania. Um, I got connected, or I actually reached out rather with a proposition to a local photographer at the time who was fairly successful independently that I went to high school with, and I'm like, hey why don't we take your work and like really market it? And he's like, what? I'm like, well, you know, you take great work of like landscapes and cityscapes. Dude, what if we build like a brand around it? That's bigger than just, you know, you as like an Instagram portfolio. photographer. Yeah. yeah. Yes, exactly. Um. So it was really cool. That's was essentially like a side project while I was still in college. Mm-hmm. And then getting out of it, still working with my dad a little bit, but we were able to escalate uh, the startup at the time, uh, Noir Gallery, which was a, essentially an e-commerce store when it was live for a number mm-hmm. of years. Um, they sent cease operations last year, but that's all good. You know, ebbs and flows. Yeah, of course. But essentially taken an Instagram photographer's work and built an online retail brand around it where we essentially got contracts with Home Depot, Overstock, Wayfair. Um, coming out of college for us and everyone listening out there. I was shaking having meetings as a fucking twenty-three year old with like oh, C suite guys at like Home Depot.com. Like what'd you go to school for while while you were in college? Business admin. So marketing management concentration. So like mm-hmm. in theory, you're getting the reps. But you like, went
0: I'm, from graduation to the big leagues in a matter of a couple months.
1: Yeah. Like when mm-hmm. you hear, when it was so funny, Ross, going back to like, we, we did a couple trade shows. We got that contractor, our first trade show that we showed that in High Point, North Carolina. So mm-hmm. home furnishings and accessories show. It's like the furniture capital of the world for those who don't know too much about like home furnishings um, out there. But with that, it was so f- f- fucking funny in hindsight where like these older guys, like they thought we were cool. Like me, John, who I worked with and this other gentleman, Jason, at the time like oh yeah you guys are young you guys are in your 30s right and we're all <laughs> like early 20s i think john was like maybe not even 21 at the time yeah like, like us doing this like they already thought we were like 5 10 years like older than we actually were getting these mm-hmm. contracts which was hilarious in hindsight
0: so how do you think that this contract's come about? You just grew the brand, grew the recognition. They, Someone at those companies took notice and re- reached out, or did you guys do an outreach to them? How'd that kind of shake out?
1: So how it, it kind of worked out was the one gentleman, Jason, who we all worked together at the time. We're at the trade show, three guys and selling home decor. And he, which was like we didn't look like three guys selling home decor. Like we had like the stereotypical like Instagram photographer with the Justin Bieber haircut. But it's just like we we look out of place in hindsight. Mm-hmm. So he's at lunch, Jason, and he's talking to this guy, what's his name? I think it was Ed. Ed, yeah, of like the Gershman group. And like he just like looked at this guy, he's like, This is some guy like I need to talk it up over like like ciabatta like sandwiches. It was like something like, like some funny line. And then like, you mentioned like why he was here and this guy and came back to like the booth and he's like, I really like this work. There's something I could do with it. I'm with the Gersman group and you know, we're essentially a rep where we take like independent brands and like get you contracts and like, we pitch you to like these big box retailers and we're like,
0: what? No way. So Chibata's is where it started.
1: Yeah. So shout out to Chibata bread. <laughs> enthusiasts out there but it was kind of like dumb luck a little networking on jason's part um but mind you we weren't guaranteed these contracts we still had to go through a pitching process we worked mm-hmm. with this agency that essentially helped soup us up but we had a good enough product that was attractive for the retailers at the time from an online standpoint solid enough pricing where it looked attractive where we got these agreements
0: mm-hmm.
1: so that was a really cool experience where i was essentially director of ops, running that business, essentially wearing 10 hats. And it's really ironic We're off
0: Flying by, see your pants, you know? Yeah, yeah,
1: Yeah. almost every day. So in hindsight, so I got bought out around this time, like 60 years ago. One of the biggest challenges was how do we market, like, mass at scale other than, like, our current level of expertise? Mm -hmm. We were interviewing agencies, like, outside this rep, which was more like a sales rep agency that was helping us with these contracts. Mm-hmm. Um, Big agencies where they're saying like, it's like 10, $20,000 investment for SEO and this kind of e-commerce development. We're like, I, I knew some skills, but I was still like 101, 102 coming out of college.
0: Yeah, sure. Like, like,
1: so it's just like, oh, this is our challenge. Like how do we break out and like market and position the brand better than we are right now, you know, for to continue to grow sales. And then I got bought out. It just had a difference of vision with my former business partner. And I look at it six years now removed my primary contractor who I'm partner up with, with a consulting group, we've been working five this, out of the six years together. Mm-hmm. We essentially with him and then like us collectively with our experience, we had the capabilities of like the agencies we were inter. I, I was interviewing with like six years ago. I know awesome. dude. It, it's so, isn't it wild and, how uh, that,
0: how that happens? Like, yeah, I, uh, So I started brand side. So after I, you know, found that freelancing moments of success, took that as a portfolio to get like a job. I thought I needed a job. Yeah. Like I can't be a a solopreneur. I can't be one of these guys. I need Mm -hmm. a job to to really learn business, which was, you know, at the time I felt like that was the truest thing ever. And then I started getting the inside, you know, in-house brand for a home decor. So guard, more gardening. Okay, nice. uh, And I learned pretty quickly that I was like the subject matter expert with my very limited, what I thought was such a low level of expertise. Everyone else is like, oh, you're the whiz on the internet. And I'm like, what the fuck? And then, so long story short, got into the agency world and also realized that, yeah, there are people that know how to do tasks in agencies, but they're just trying to figure out, like everybody else, to stay ahead of the curve too. And so that imposter syndrome... That we're kind of almost imposter, if I could say, where oh we need to you know hire agencies and they know so much, it, it the veil gets lifted real quick once you really deep dive all the time into marketing. In my experience,
1: it's it's funny, Ross. I, I really developed this personal philosophy and belief over the past year, like doing this full time as consulting practice now. Um, black pill in business is people know a lot less than you think they do. Mm -hmm. And when you meet owners of like 5, 10, 15, $20 million companies, sometimes you have conversations with them where they might be lacking in the area, and it makes you think, how the fuck did you even grow this to $10 million in the
0: first place? Oh, yeah. With how you're running your business right now. Yeah. It's a black pill. And I don't necessarily... Can you define what you mean by black pill? It's
1: funny where you think everything... I say it's a black pill from the standpoint where it's a scenario where you think it's the opposite where you're like, Oh, this person's running a $10 million company. They got all their shit together. They they don't figure it out. No, it's just like, they're almost like drunk driving out there. Some of these business owners (laughs) and they're not that are intentionally doing it. I use that analogy kind of like, sounds crazy me saying it, but it's just, how are you operating? It's just like, you're going left and right, swerving hidden guardrails like you're you're still going to where you want to go or you might be going slower but it's just like what's going on you're like a drunk driver out there navigating your business man
0: no i think the point you made about people knowing a lot less than you think you do it's like everyone puts their pants on one leg at a time yep everyone has to wake up in the morning brush their teeth go to the bathroom just like you you know people are real are incredibly human up close And then you just see the kind of the consequences of that compound interest of letting time take its time. And maybe they're really good at product. Like maybe their product Mm -hmm. is so great or their customer service is so great, but then they need people's help with the marketing and the messaging and the positioning and the ads. And like, no one person can be competent at everything i found.
1: Yeah, no, I I definitely agree with that sentiment. Um, Question for you. This kind of would open up a dialogue what is your view on patience with clients like serving them'm like when it comes to you know let's say you get a, a objection from a particular client it doesn't really make sense from a grounded logic standpoint like how have you ad- adapted like patience in your business because I think that that's a very
0: valuable skill to like hone in on I think if if I'm going to define patience, as uh you know being okay with the gap between stimulus and response that i want i just uh i look at it like in line line with toughness so it's like in the beginning i would in the very beginning of my career i would kind of roll over and be like okay they know something that i don't know yeah like maybe i'm i'm wrong maybe i'm missing something and i would back down and then time would go on. I'm like, man, th- this is just actually more of an authority thing uh-huh. than it is like a, I was logically incorrect. So in the beginning, it was more of like a, it was too soft. And then later when I started getting the confidence, I would go too hard and have very little patience. You know, they didn't adopt my ideas soon enough. I would kind of be blunt and forceful okay. and pu- push my ideas later. And then now it's more of like the Goldilocks. It's like, all right, you know, what i found is just right for patients is like clarification to the extreme and making sure that I'm very clear in how I communicate and making sure that I clearly understand what they're trying to communicate. And if those things happen, like the only result is we get to the end result, the okay. the re- response we want, because at the end of the day, like my whole job is not to do, the is not to catch the fish for you. My job is to make sure that like, you feel confident enough that you know where the fish are, you know how to set your hook, you know how to do the whole process and reel them in, um, and if you don't feel confident enough, then I need to speak some confidence into you and be patient from that sense. And if you, you know, if you don't want to listen to me, then it's like I can only suggest, but I have to give you time to learn for yourself everyone learns at different times and paul honestly the best thing for patience for me ever was uh the process of starting a family and having a kid because you're just like oh you're a blank slate i know you don't know anything but now (laughs) my daughter who's a year and a half has the attitude of a teenager and she thinks crayons are edible and you know (laughs) sometimes it's just it's sticking with it what about Mm -hmm. you tell me about how patience plays into your consulting
1: i Thank you for your take on that. I was just curious as one service provider to another. I just wanted to kinda open the door. I was just curious what your thoughts on on it. But um I definitely agree with you with that. It's just having that like duality, like that balance where not being like the enforcer, but being Goldilocks in a way, a little step back, almost like a like Buddha Zen. It's just like let some things play out when like they're ready. Heat it
0: up or cool it down, depending on where we need it to be.
1: Yeah. I think the only comment I'll add to that, because I I definitely agree with your sentiment on that, Ross. Um, sometimes, too, when you get something from a client where it might be off base, where, like, you know, like, the work's great, the deliverable's solid. Where's this critique coming from? And let them just process Mm. whatever's going on to then give you that app you know that feedback then, even if it's like at another point in time.
0: I think um back to your original point with the black pill, when people sometimes my clients know so much about their area of expertise, like they might know so much about home good furniture and like mm-hmm. the materials and the cost and the origins, or they might know so much about like let's just say, Whatever it is that they do, paint. Oh, well, this this color is actually really popular and this and that. But it's like, listen, your my clients' clients, my clients' customers do not know nearly what you know, nor do they care. Mm-hmm. So, like, I need to remind my clients that people know a lot less than you think they do. You need to, I, I use the analogy like the ladder of knowledge. If my mm-hmm. client, like there's 10 rungs, right if my clients are the top where they're field experts and they know so much, they could have PhDs and whatever it is they do. And I try to learn up to be like a three or a four where I can have a conversation. My goal is to take what you know up here and bring it down to ladder one.
1: Okay. Yeah, it's good.
0: Like if people knew what you knew, they wouldn't be trying to hire you.
1: Yeah. Now that's the thing. It's just like, if I, if we, if the solution was that easy, and I had the expertise readily available to me. We
0: wouldn't be having this conversation, or wouldn't be buying your product or service. Mm-hmm. So, um, no, that's that's great dialogue on at least that that part of uh, client service business. I want to I want to sort of go gears. And you got bought out in 2018, correct? 2016. 2016. <laughs> we well,
1: actually, know 2018. Yet yeah, your math's right. It's been a long week. It's all good. Six years.
0: Happy Friday. Um, and since that you then started shift Bauer consulting group, um, you're bringing opportunities to small business owners. Do you focus on central PA in Baltimore County? Do are you like a, a hyper localized marketer? Hyper local, hyper local. And that's by design. We have full remote capabilities. Mm-hmm. My lead
1: advertiser who is the heavy on the majority of our projects he lives in Phoenix, Arizona. He's he's yeah. been to this marketplace twice. He knows the lay the land. When it comes to and strategy, you know that's communicated to them. But I have found even like small, like larger small businesses, they've worked with other agencies before that are not local, and local's an attractive commodity for them. It, right. For some reason, it's like something intrinsic where there's a, a little more trust and consideration. Brought in with having someone like in your backyard, like myself or yourself, if you're working with someone local on your end, I, I have found those conversations like it. It might not be the reason why they ultimately buy, but it sure does help.
0: And their customers are usually local to them. Is that correct? Correct. So that, so that's not a, only do you understand them as business owners, but you understand the market better. Correct.
1: That's I personally I, I view the number one rule of marketing is knowing your market, Ross. So it's like knowing who else is in your space when it comes to clients you serve, knowing about your client, their customers, their competitors, keeping an eye on them, not, you know, doing everything that they're doing, but it is how the best position.
0: Yeah. Being aware of where you stand. Yep. So with that, that local marketing is so huge because to go from the marketing agency standpoint to the the in-house marketing team and whether you go remote or whatever, I think what a lot of small businesses find is they might try and get that New York city, like Philadelphia, you know, LA marketing Mm -hmm. agency, because they think that these major metros have the stranglehold on the best talent. But what they're not really understanding is the global marketing agencies charge global marketing agency rates. Which do not necessarily have a higher impact on you getting better results. Like, and also, if you're the smallest fish client on their radar, they can give you the least amount of attention and care and resources. Regardless of what they
1: say, it's just, it's
0: right. They, because they're the going to hand it off out. from their SDR, and the SDR is going to hand it off to their BDR. BDR is going to go to AE, AE is going to go to your account management, customer success, customer success has to talk to all these different people. It's like, you're in the pipe, you're in a, a small fish in a big pond, but what you want to be customer, I'm, I'm just labeling your customers is you want to be positioned as the big fish in your, your pond in your backyard. Yeah. yeah I'm totally okay with
1: that. I, that's, I literally, thought I love that. When I was in the process of getting bought out, I interviewed with a couple agencies locally. I, I'm like, oh, there's opportunities in Baltimore for me to work for one. Maybe I moved to Philadelphia. And then something intrinsic with me, like I, I took a couple of interviews and I'm like, my gut was like sour. I'm like, why not fucking serve the people locally in your backyard?
0: Yeah. You have this competitive advantage. You don't want to, you know, switch out your competitive advantage and try and almost st- find a new one. Like if mm-hmm. the one you have right now is effective, I think that's huge in terms of self-awareness, especially at that age where you're like, Hey, I know where I'm good at. I know who I serve really well. That's a large part of the battle in marketing.
1: Yeah. It's the brand and then, identity. And then in hindsight too, it's this, I feel like a lot of us, especially in our youth, we get caught up on, we. we there's aspiration. And it's at all time high, you know, when you're leaving adolescence into early adulthood or mm-hmm. you want to aspire to be that person you want to be, even if it's years out, you want to go to the big city or the big school. Sure. I consciously made a decision back then, looking back on it, where, like, no, I'm going to stay here. Could I, you know, provide a lot of value and work my way up a totem pole for somebody at a large agency?
0: Yeah, probably. But no, no. Was that what you want to do? Could you? Yes. Do you want to do that?
1: Nope.
0: (laughs) Nope. So let me ask you then you've been growing you know, you're consulting for the last six years in these markets, you've got plenty of happy customers. You got the client results. I love one of the things in your own sales process, which is, Hey, book a time for dinner. We're going to have uh, you know, steaks. You offer the cigar. So you, you offer that, that high touch personal relationship and part of your sales process. How do you communicate? Like, first of all, how has that evolved and how did you get to that uh, system and process for sales for yourself? And then how do you transfer that to serving your clients?
1: That's a great question. Man, it's definitely evolved organically. I must say that. It was not something I figured out day one. I think over – I was – day one, I was always willing to meet someone kind of like at least 50-50. Even a little more so where like I would overextend myself meeting up in person or neutral ground, especially meeting with folks where – they may have worked with an agency or they're especially with me starting off. They had no agency experience where they were spending money on marketing or just starting to, but like, well, what is that? It's so foreign to me. Mm -hmm. Or it's like, you got to meet them all at their level where like the personal touch was there from day one.
0: Yeah. And it, it still is.
1: But as like, I grew individually and as the business grew, I'm like, all right, you know, things are changing and the steak nights one personally something I just liked it was like a $12.95 steak special with fries every Monday night at White Rose downtown they don't pay me to say that but I'm saying it um I would just go independently or with like friends but it was start it was it came a point where this is where it became a thing I was getting it was one of those like bandwidth growing points where like I was pretty like tight where like when I would used to go out of my way to meet someone like on their field didn't have the time I'm like, dude. I, I remember telling this guy, Jason, I'm like, dude. I'm going to White Rose Monday night. Come join me if you want to join me. He's like, sure. So I'm like, all right. That was the
0: first first time the aha moment.
1: I'm like, I, I'm like, I'm on the southern here. And even John, who is my long term contractor I work with, he's like, dude, you got to do something with the
0: stakes. Get more stakes. I'm like, wait. I'm like, what, are you? I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, lean into it, dude. That's awesome it's so organic. Like people that try to ideate in a boardroom with these fluorescent lights and wearing their suits. Like how do we come up with a a way to reach our target market? And you're just like, Hey, I'm at the steakhouse. Like you can come the opposite of that big city <laughs> marketing exec, but like, it works for you. Cause it is you. Yeah. No, it's it, not it, faking it, shit. It, no, It's something I would do
1: by myself. And I did. Yeah. And it is, it really start like i really like made it a calendar thing like on my calendar when like i was literally getting messages on facebook the guy Corey i know the non-profit world was like hey paul i don't know when to get to get together but maybe we can do one of your steak nights and like you know th- where th- i'm at people are branding it before i'm even branding it
0: dude that's sick
1: so now i'm just like i throw it out there i tell folks too it's just like if you just want to network like and it really is. It's become like the best night of the week for me. Like middle of the week, t- Tuesday through Thursday, I might be out at like different like networking events. that might sure. be going on. Yeah.
0: Mon- Monday. Monday is really no nothing it's going that on. Constant. It's that constant. It's constant.
1: Monday night. It's something. It started off as like a ritual for me to go out and get a steak by myself. Something I look forward to. And now there's something other people look forward to when like we get together, either the first time or maybe even the third or fourth time if like the relationship's there.
0: So. First of all, I want to make an analogy. When I was in the cage fighting industry, um, nine out of ten of the guys that were in that world trying to make it to the UFC had full-time nine-to-five type day jobs, right? So not only that, but they're trying to get to the gym and they're trying to you know cut the weight and die and do all the right yeah. things in order to chase the dream of the UFC. But what they didn't have was the time to go in like a pizza delivery guy and people, they want to sell a ticket for their fight because that's how they get paid. At the yeah. amateur level, you get paid commission off your ticket sales. They, they, some people would get in and meet everyone else and drop off and go and meet up in parking lots and do you know deliveries. The guys who did the best were like, hey, I'm going to be at this place at this time. I go to the gym every night You know, from this hour to this hour. Pop in if you can. Otherwise, because at the time there was no online ticket sales, it was all yeah. in person cash. So to your point, you you did the same thing where you're like, hey, if you if you want what I got, I got Pull it right up. here right now.
1: Pull up. Yeah, and it's it's fun. It's something I look. I go almost every week, even if just by myself.
0: So that's that's been a part of the the current design, the the current brand. There's other things about your brand that I I kind of resonate with, and I think are are really not only high level, like intelligent from a branding standpoint, but like cool to relate to you on, like, you know, you do the cigar thing, whether that's in podcasts like we're doing right now, or you do that in social media pictures, whatever, like, Hey, I like to, you know, I like to drink I bourbon and drink whiskey cigars. Like, cool. I'm like, I, I resonate with that. You know, it works for me. And for some people that don't like cigars or anti-tobacco, you're like, Hey, we might not be a good fit. So My question for you, Paul, other than that observation is what are you going to do in 2024 to push the limits of your current brand and keep evolving and keep growing? Like, tell me about the future and the plans for, for growth.
1: That's a great question, Ross. I I told my long-term contractor, John, just the other night, I was like paraphrasing, a uh, Benny the Butcher rap lyric, or this last year's about ex- branding, this year's about expanding. This year, though, branding to really set things up for growth, where we'll see a huge surplus of growth next year. And what I mean by branding is doing more of this, you and I talking right now, having more conversations, more sick dinners with people, going to more networking events, me doing more cold outreach just to tell people this is. Who I am, how can I help you? Mm-hmm. And in the event you do have a marketing desire or need, this is how we help grow people like you if it's like a direct fit. It's old school, but it's just like, it almost feels like a political campaign. For myself, personally, in the business.
0: Yeah, in a way. I never, I never actually had that thought before of doing personal branding as politics, but you're not wrong, right? Like- mm-hmm. You're trying to serve the community and most politics starts, you know, whether it's your your school board at the smallest level or your, you know, district judge or, you know, whatever the polling booth is. You're doing those local grassroots campaigns. Now you're still doing it in new ways. You yeah. still do the social media. You're not like putting out things in the newspaper necessarily. Unless you are. I don't know, but now
1: I, I toyed around the the idea of a billboard, but that would be something. Vary me if I would do it.
0: Yeah, that's still on brand for you, right, Billboard? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it would, it would be fun. Yeah. So it's it's just the idea is you're gonna be just pushing yourself to see how much more of those old school tactics you can do with that new world mindset point of view. It's just combining what's worked forever and what's working for you and your clients Double now. down, double yeah. down on it
1: and then i don't really see true expansion until next year but well, we're gonna grow but like in terms of like working with more contractors like thinking more from a logistical operational standpoint that will come in 12 to 18 months as a side effect of what's occurring this year
0: mm-hmm. so you, you yeah i see what you're saying now for Let's just talk about, I'm in, I'm in Lebanon County. Mm-hmm. So I grew up in Lancaster County. Um, I like but, Lancaster. Yeah. So there's like Lancaster, Lebanon is like usually tied together. And then there's like route 30 and the bridge that connects York mm-hmm. and Lancaster. They're usually tied together. Lancaster is right next to Burks, sometimes Westchester too. And then Lebanon is connected to dolphin and, and Burks. Yeah. The Harrisburg corridor, the Harrisburg corridor, but it's like these main, these main roads. Do you see you growing into the Lancaster and Harrisburg market more? Do you see you getting more and more of the market share of the York County? Like how does it do you, when you, when I say expand your pond of clients, do you grow the size of the pond or do you grow the criteria of the fish?
1: That's a great question. Uh, A little bit of both. I think more of the criteria of fish. There's more work that can be done in this marketplace to better serve folks. We have nowhere near hit the market cap.
0: Love to like, hear that,
1: dude. Of, of what we can do just in and around your county. Um, but ideally too. Like I'm gonna do more events in Lancaster and do more networking in Baltimore, where there are secondary markets of interest. Yeah, but it, it's not gonna be like the end goal, you know? Sure. Like, for I'm, sure opening up in a new market
0: because let's just face it. Tons of other people from New York are also going to there too.
1: hundred percent. So it's yeah. just like, it's, it's doubling down on what has gotten me and ship our consulting group as a whole to this point. And then there's always been side effects of us growing relationships, partnerships, and connections in these secondary areas, Harrisburg, Lancaster, Baltimore.
0: You know, it's so funny, you know, growing up, in Langester and, and Lidditz, I always kind of thought that it was this isolated, this like insulated small area. But then uh, the older I got, the more I'm like, well, I know this person commutes to Philadelphia every day by the train. Or I know this person travels six months out of the year all over the country. So it it, it is connected, but like get, you do home services and you're like, yeah, a lot of these professionals do work in these other areas, but we're, we're doing home services. So like, where, where's your home at? And I think, and I don't know as much about real estate in York, but Lebanon is exploding when it comes to commercial growth and investment. That's what I'm hearing. Lancaster is, has been for years with, you know, new development and new industries coming in. I'm sure York is, is getting some of something like that too, right?
1: Yeah. They're having a nice side effect. Um, Northern York County, a lot of manufacturing and commercials projects are popping up left and right.
0: Yeah. It's a great place to be as far as where we are in the map in the country. Um, I love how when I talk to people out of state, it's usually like, "Oh, are you by Philly or are you by Pittsburgh?" I'm like, "There's a lot more to Pennsylvania than just Philly and Pittsburgh."
1: Yeah, it was. I always got that when we went down to the trade shows because people we would say, depending on the uh, individual, either Baltimore area or like South Central PA. But when you say Baltimore, people think the wire on HBL, right? And when, and when people think Pennsylvania, like near Philly, I'm like, well. I'm not slighting Pennsylvania or this area when I say this, everyone. But I say, like, Pennsylvania, it's kind of like you have the area where, like, York-Lancaster, it's like a greater Baltimore kind of, like,
0: metro, like, sub-area. York, definitely. York, 100%. York loves the Ravens. It's really weird. Like, you'll see Steelers in Lebanon all day, every day. Like, huge Steelers and Eagles. Lancaster's more Eagles than Steelers. And York's, like, Ravens.
1: And I would tell folks, so you got these little pockets by us here. And then it's, you got Philly, Pittsburgh, and then it's kind of Alabama filling out the rest of Pennsylvania. In yeah. Pennsylvania. Yeah, like I told people it's a real thing. If you drive across the state.
0: Yeah. No, that's not too far off. When people ask me where I'm from, what I say now is, you know where Hershey is? You ever heard of Hershey chocolate? They're like, yeah. I'm like, all right, go twenty twenty 20 minutes east of there. That's where I'm at.
1: That's actually a perfect description.
0: I'm like, Oh, okay. I'm like, yeah. Like Hershey is not, Hershey is not at all like Philadelphia or Pittsburgh. Oh no, 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 no. But it's... like they know the brand that brand has the chocolate. So, um, Paul, I, uh, I want to ask you, what has the been you know, we've had some really fun and and insightful, you know, side conversations and back and forth. But if you could set, tell me that the one thing you've learned in shift power consulting Group so far in your six years What's like been the theme? Like what's been like the one nugget? Like if you go back to yourself when you were freelancing all the way back when you started uh-huh. and tell yourself something you learned today, what, what would you say?
1: I would definitely say, and it's kind of a mantra adopted amongst my core team. Winning is not an event. It is a process where like you have a series of wins or that look like events to those who might not know what you're doing on a day-to-day basis, but it is a process where you need daily activity to you know, accomplish those short and long-term goals. It will not happen overnight. If something happens that seems like eventual, it's putting in a number of items, knocking them out, having some strategy in place to accomplish that end goal. I will say, though, because it is... You've the answered beginning. that
0: question before.
1: Yeah, I have. But I will say, I'll add, because it's the beginning of the year. It's January. Yeah. And th- this applies any time of the year, but I'm seeing too much bullshit out there where people are saying they hope they have a good year, or they, they can't wait for things to change in their personal life or professional life. This applies in business and life. When people say hope, it is not a strategy.
0: Yeah. That, what are you, what are you going to change? Things don't change unless you do. No,
1: nah, that, that is something I've also adopted. I think it's really resonant at the beginning of the year where you, you hope for something, but what are, what are the steps and actions you, you're going to take and execute to get that end goal rather than just this hoping for the best. Yeah. You can have hope, but you better have actions to justify. Yeah. It. Yeah. No, having good vibes and, you know, seeing it through and being optimistic is great, but that's not going to pay your bills. You know?
0: Amen to that, man. That's the truth. Well, Paul, let me or uh, yeah, let me ask you, where can people find you, connect? Um, uh, what's the best place for people to get a hold of you?
1: Oh, the best way to connect to me, and just look up Paul Schiffbauer on Facebook, LinkedIn, on all major accounts, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter. I have a handle, it's young marketer and it's young Y U N G like one of those like early like two thousands dirty south rappers, Young Jock, like, Young cheesy. yes Yes, yes. Um, that's a great way to connect with me online. Uh, other than that, sit me up. We'll go get a steak sometime. See you Monday at the white at the White Rose. Yeah, we'll have a good time.
0: Cool, man. Well, hey, thanks for everybody for listening. If you enjoyed this show, and if you're listening, and you want to be a guest, reach out. And if you enjoyed the show share it with a friend. I don't advertise for anything else. My only call to action right now is to keep spreading the awareness. Thanks so much.